You're listening to RTI Audio, powered by Rocky Top Insider. This is the RTI Press Pass with Rick Butler and Ryan Shumpert. Welcome into the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass Podcast. My name is Rick Butler. We got a full house at the table today. That's exciting. That means we have a good show on tap for you. To my right, that is the one, the only, Ryan Shumpert in the building. Ryan, good uh, good afternoon, my friend. How are you doing? Doing well. Doing well. Glad to, to be back in the studio after uh, doing a little Zoom action last week, a little yep. Zoom action this morning on the baseball pod, so uh, excited to get to it been a lot of audio content out that, w- that we've done in the last couple of days. You just mentioned that baseball podcast. You were doing that with our own Jack Foster, who is our third man at the table. Jack, good afternoon. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Good. Uh, great Thursday here in Knoxville, and uh, excited to talk some hoops. Yeah, there's plenty going on right now, isn't there? Obviously, we, we just said it a second ago. Baseball season starts tomorrow, which is going to be Friday. You guys have done a ton of great audio on that. Uh, you did a big hour-long preview last week, did something else this morning that we're going to put out later today on Thursday, so a lot of baseball going on, and I mean, we're right in the thick of it for basketball season, obviously. We only have about, what, six games or so left? Yeah, I guess it's, is it five now? I think it's five now. To, uh, after, okay, five, yeah. Uh, after uh, Tennessee's win over Alabama last night, so it's, it's the home stretch. I mean, we have... Really, the South Carolina game is kind of a uh, you know a boring, a dud. Not shouldn't be a whole lot of excitement. And besides that, I mean, four what should be competitive games, and then you go in the SEC tournament, which should be a handful of uh, intriguing game. I mean, obviously, once you get tournament play, it's all a lot of fun, all lot, all good stuff. So uh, it's full steam ahead. And really, these last couple of games are pretty important for Tennessee when you start looking at its seeding in the SEC tournament and, and looking to secure uh, a double bye for what would be, I guess, the the fifth straight SEC tournament going back to. Uh, the 2017-18 season. Yeah, I mean, right now, if you look at the standings across the SEC, Tennessee sits right there in third place, three games back behind Alabama, who obviously Tennessee just beat on Wednesday night. But then you have Auburn and Kentucky right there at four games back as well. So there is a little bit of a logjam right there as a bunch of teams fight for the third and the fourth place for those double buys. Yeah, there, there really is. I mean, after Alabama, it's a complete logjam in, sure. in the SEC standings and a uh, and I guess, has had a little bit of separation. Another big win for the Aggies last night. Comeback win over Arkansas. and uh, But it's it's a ton left. And you look at Tennessee's next two games in particular, mm-hmm. and really three of their final five games, against teams that they're in that logjam with. So, right. uh, And you, Tennessee obviously is trying to force where it doesn't have, or where it's obviously they lose to Kentucky. They would not have the tiebreaker since they lost in the first game. Uh, there's only one game against A&M, so a tiebreaker would come down to that. And then kind of the reverse with the uh, Kentucky situation or with the Auburn game where if, if Tennessee beats them they would definitely have the tiebreaker and then it would obviously they lose like Kentucky it, it would go into some whatever the next round uh, of tiebreakers is so important games for yes. Tennessee getting its mojo but you know getting its mojo and playing good basketball heading into the tournament and very important games for uh, seeding in, in the SEC tournament in a lot of different ways yeah no doubt about it there there's a lot that's going to be uh there's a lot that's going to be on the table to watch here in the next couple of weeks. Just, again, as all those races kind of settle down. And the first first game that comes up for Tennessee is obviously this weekend. We'll, we'll talk about that game later on. Tennessee goes to Lexington to take on Kentucky. But, guys, we kind of got to start the basketball conversation today by going back just about one week. You go back to last Wednesday, 
That was when Tennessee went to the Mid-State to go take on Vanderbilt in Nashville. Tennessee loses by a score of 66-65 to after the Commodores hit a, a buzzer-beating three-pointer right there to win the game. Then you fast-forward to Saturday afternoon. Then you, Tennessee comes back to Knoxville, takes on Missouri, but unfortunately for Tennessee, the, the same kind of situation strikes again. Tennessee loses again on a buzzer-beater. This one a little bit more of a... Of a you know a half court heave, if you will, a couple steps forward, but still nonetheless a buzzer beater to win the game, eighty six to eighty five, a two game losing streak heading into yesterday's game versus number one Alabama. What a game it was! As Tennessee was able to bounce back after that two game slide, gets a massive, a massive win against number one uh, Alabama by a score of sixty eight to fifty nine. It was a huge one. Uh, I mean, and needed, very needed, and there mm-hmm. was. Again, it wasn't like there would be any shame in losing to Alabama. It wouldn't be a bad loss. It would be a pretty understandable loss. Number one team in the country, really good team. Shorthanded. Shorthanded, yeah, that's a great point. Down two starters, and two starters that play the same position as the best player in the SEC, and Alabama's Brandon Miller. Uh, But if you lose that game, then the losing streak is three, and the pressure builds on you again going to Kentucky. And then if you lose that game, then the pressure builds on you going to A&M, and then you just have yeah. – I don't think there was any – I mean, the Tennessee players and coaches, I think Rick Barnes said, we didn't splinter. There was none of that, and I don't think that was even a huge concern. But as you lose more, and, man, losing's hard. <laughs> losing – winning cures all, and losing exposes a lot of cracks. And I think it was important for Tennessee to win a game this week and they get it in a really big fashion against Alabama, and I think that sets them up an opportunity to play a little more free, Jack, uh, heading to Kentucky on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, if you would have lost this game, you know, as we've discussed, there's four losable games on the schedule remaining, and only one of those is at home, right? So you have three tough road games on the slate remaining. So this was much needed for the Vols to get this bounce back win at home and in Knoxville, you know, after just a a bad week, a a heartbreaking week, if you will, in those losses, so. Let's talk about what we liked from the game yesterday. Obviously, a lot of positives for Tennessee, especially, again, like we just mentioned, coming off of that two-game slide against SEC competition last week. But there are plenty of good takeaways from yesterday's game. Uh, I'll give you a couple players that I'm sure we'll talk about more in detail. But Jonas Adu and Jemai Meshek, I felt like, really, those two guys held, held a lot of the conversation after the game for just maybe two of the most important pieces that Tennessee needed. Obviously, it was a collective team effort. Rick Barnes said that after the game. Not only... Did he say it to the media? But it also looked like he said it in the locker room to the team. Hey, everybody who competed for Tennessee against Alabama, they they were needed. They were absolutely needed in that game, and I think it proved out to be true. Ryan, what did you like from Tennessee yesterday just that they can build on and continue going forward? I love the defense. There that's, you go. What, that's what I loved, and uh, not even, I don't even like it. And Alabama, best offense in the SEC, one of the best offenses in the country, and they held them to – 24 points under their season average scoring into 59 points on less than a point per possession. And I think when you look at what Tennessee did well defensively, which is a lot of things, to me it started with the ball pressure. Uh, Tennessee's backcourt really dominated uh, Alabama's guards. Mark Sears, to me, is a phenomenal player. Alabama's second best player. He scores two points on one of six shooting. Turns the ball over three times in 24 minutes. Jaden Bradley, the freshman guard, uh, he had some early struggles, but honestly probably played the best of really just about anyone on Alabama. And then obviously Javon Quinterly just had a, a disastrous night with six turnovers in 17 minutes. So Tennessee's ball pressure, forcing 19 turnovers, turning that into 26 points was massive. Be remiss not to talk about uh, Jemai Meshack and what yeah. we you mentioned. They were out the two guys, Julian Phillips and Josiah Jordan-James, who normally would have been tasked with, you know, would have been a rotation, but would have been two of the main guys tasked with guarding Brandon Miller. 
put it all on Jemai Meshach's shoulders, and, and he didn't score a point, but he was fantastic, highest plus minus on the team. And then and, his 27 minutes on the court, Brandon Miller scored four points all at the free throw line. And the nine minutes, uh, I think it or Meg, I'm not sure what it was, but in his time not on the court, that Brandon Miller was also on the court. Brandon that's Miller scored. That's where he got his 11 points, and I believe hit four or four shots from the field. So uh, it started with him, and, and certainly the rim defense with Jamont, or Jonas Adu was really good as well. Yeah, I mean, Alabama had a season-low point total, 59 points. And it really felt in the first half, you know, especially when you're just thinking back, when it was halftime, 29-29, this is going to be a race to 60. And Tennessee made it that way. They dictated how this game was going to yeah, go due 100%. to their defensive pressure. It didn't. And Tennessee won the race to 60. Alabama scored 59. So, yeah, Tennessee's defense was elite. Um, you know, the Missouri game was a little fluky considering how well the Tigers shot from three. I, I wouldn't call it necessarily like a bounce-back defensive performance from Tennessee. This is just the style of basketball they play. And they did enough on the offensive end, in large part due to their bigs showing up offensively to get this win. Yeah, I mean, to, to keep going off of something that you said there, too, it really felt like Tennessee made Alabama play Tennessee's style of game. Tennessee dictated the flow of the game on the court. I, I thought you could really tell that just based on the based on the physicality and the aggression that Tennessee brought to the table. Yeah, certainly. And the you know, I said it I've said it multiple times this year. Tennessee's gonna foul you two to three times a possession and they're gonna dare you to call it. <laughs> they're gonna grab you when yeah. you come off screens. Yeah. And we've heard I think it was Jerry Stackhouse talking about play it up with, tight. with Santiago Vescovi of he's good at getting away with things on the defensive end. And when Tennessee Who did he compare him to he, he compared to Manu right yeah, Manu, Manu Ginobili, Ginobili. yeah um, that was good which was like a, a classic NBA draft comparison yes compared the left-handed South American shooting guard to another <laughs> left-handed <laughs> South American shooting guard um, but in Tennessee I mean that's in most games I the only game I can think of this year where Tennessee hasn't been able to dictate the terms and Kentu- or opponents excuse me officials haven't let them play with that physicality at home was the Kentucky game uh, so Tennessee did that Nato said. We did not handle their physicality well. We did yeah. not handle their ball pressure well. And he said, Tennessee proved why it has the number one defense in the country. And uh, I think that's why they won. Uh, Zakai Ziegler said, we got back to playing like the hardest team in the country. We got back to our identity. And Jack's right. I don't think it was as simple as them not doing that against Missouri and Vanderbilt. Right. Missouri hit a lot of tough shots. Vanderbilt hit some tough shots. Now, granted, there were some breakdowns in both those games, partic- particularly the Vanderbilt game. Um, but they got back to that in its truest form, uh, I think, against Alabama. And it wasn't pretty offensively in the first half. They really, I thought, struggled offensively. Should have had a lot more points, missed a lot of open looks. But and, and it was mostly down low. They were struggling yes. with Alabama's size down low. And yeah, then they, they re- kind of turned that page in the second half. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And uh, it was extremely balanced. Tennessee played eight eight players last night. Five of them scored between 9 and 15 points. So, uh, as usual, balanced. And not only that, you know, I think one of my takeaways coming out of last week was Tennessee's best players have to be better. Yeah. After the Vanderbilt loss... And then again after the Missouri loss, and who do you think should be Tennessee's top scorers? Santiago Vescovi and Sky Ziegler. They both scored 15 points and tied for that, and really uh, hit big shots. Ziegler hit big shots early when Tennessee was struggling to get into a flow. Vescovi hit big shots in the second half, some contested threes in the corner, and all of them were, were really huge. Yeah, and I think to go along with that point, I think absolutely you need your star players to be able to handle that scoring workload. But I also think you, you've got to be able to rely on a, a solid 15 to 20 points from the bench, or at least when that does happen, it sets up Tennessee in a much better position, no matter who it's from. Yesterday it was 10 points from, from Plavsic uh, and only 5 from Key, and then Tobey Awaka also throw in 2. But we know that going back to last week, right, we saw, uh, we saw Tyreek Key really come out and uh, find find that scoring. I, I think that a lot of people have been 
really waiting for that so long. Yesterday, obviously, one of nine, so wasn't certainly near as good as last week. But again, you got that 15-20 point range from your bench, and I do think that that's really important for Tennessee going forward, just to be able to... I mean, we know that, hey, defense comes easier for this team than offense, so when you can get in that range from your bench, it means that the other guys who are starting are probably doing good as well. I think that puts Tennessee up to the range that they want to be in terms of scoring-wise. Certainly, and I think... Tyreek, he did not have a good night last night. He struggled shooting the ball, but he, again, he kept shooting. That's what I'm looking for more. Sure. And he keep that mentality of not shutting down offensively when he misses his first couple shots, and he didn't. And that was the same. He started one of six last night. He started one of six against Missouri. Obviously, against Missouri, he got it turned around. And he hit a ton of shots. He didn't stop shooting uh, against um, last night against Alabama, and he found. I think he found the balance of. When shots weren't going in the second half and other guys, he wasn't just forcing bad shots, but he was still aggressive. He wasn't turning down open looks. And, mm-hmm. again, when we you talk about, you, Rick, you just said it, offense doesn't come as easy for this team. And he's one of those guys that they're going to need. And it yeah. doesn't mean every single night he's going to shoot great, but they need him to be a guy that two out of three times, two out of three games, you feel confident mm-hmm. he can give you 10, 12 points and, and hit some shots when your offense is struggling. Yeah, and, you know, we're – Tyreek, he slacks a couple of times in games like this. You're going to need performances from other people to you know, bring that up, especially with Josiah Jordan, James and Julia Phillips out. And that's where Jonas Adu came in last night. To me, the player of the game, a double-double, first career double-double. This was his best performance as a Tennessee player, 12 points and 11 boards. I mean, he was everywhere, guys. Truly everywhere, offensively and defensively. He, yeah, was, he was big. Yeah, it was a couple of those big blocks. I'm glad you brought him up because he was a player of the game. We hadn't even discussed him yet, and – to me, it was defensively first and foremost because that's the that's the Jonas to do we saw in the Bahamas. That's the Jonas to do that we should see on a way more consistent basis. And Rick Barnes talks about consistency from the whole team, but specifically the big men because they don't get it. Mm-hmm. I understand Jonas to do not being consistent offensively. That makes sense to me. He's not an extremely skilled guy. Sure, he relies on that mid range jump shot some, but he should be very consistent defensively. And that's what they didn't, what they got from last night's what they need. You mentioned the three blocks. Uh, I talked at length about it in our post-game video, but the one sequence there in the last three minutes of the game where he blocked a shot and then deflected it to, uh, I believe, it was Santiago Vesky for the rebound. But he was fantastic anchoring the rim. He played 27 minutes, first career double-double, good on the glass. And you look at it, Alabama is a three-point shooting team and a rim team. That's their whole philosophy. That's NATO's, That's the math teacher up in, yep. up in Wisconsin. Yep. But it's, it's an analytics game for him. Alabama... Tennessee held Alabama to less than 60 points, and Alabama shot well from three last night. 9 of 24. Yeah, above 37%. Yeah, if you would have told me they shot 9 of 24 from three, I would have said Alabama's probably going to win this game. But Tennessee turned them over 19 times, and they shot 6 of 21 at the rim. And more than anybody, there's a lot that goes into that, but more than anybody, Jonas Adu deserves a ton of credit for that. Yeah, Tennessee had 15 more shots just in the game and totally yeah. to go along with your point. That's, that's what— You're going to win a lot of games doing that. That's what being able to turn the other team over without turning it over too much yourself, that'll, that's what that'll do. I, I believe that turnover difference was uh, Tennessee plus 11. And then, again, Tennessee gets 15 more shots. There you go. And Tennessee 13-8 on the offensive rebound. There so you go. stole five yep. more possessions yep. as well that way. Yeah, it was very impressive performance. And, you know, the pressure was – it was early, too. It wasn't just a second-half, you know, defensive performance. It was start-to-finish t- Tennessee's defense brought the intensity. Jonas Adu was to credit for that. Yeah. I mean, those three blocks were huge. He said it after the game. He said, hey, look, my job is to be a rim protector. That is that is what it is, first and foremost. And – we saw that's what he did last night. Again, had that had the, had a 
let's see, had a block early in the game, had a block late in the game, then I believe he had it at that third one was kind of how many somewhere there early in the second half or something like that. How many putbacks did he have? Do you, do you remember? It was at least a couple. Uh, three was what was the first thing that came to yeah, my mind. Me too. Yeah, he was six of eleven. Uh, and because I feel like that day. was when he made his impact. Like it wasn't, you know, he's not creating any buckets or anything. No. It, it was when offensive rebound put back, and it was in a big moment. It felt like every time. Yeah, it really did, and a lot of them. Tennessee needs this more when it's the end of the shot clock and things have gone awry. This guy Ziegler's the guy to turn to, and his size makes it hard for him to finish at the rim, especially when. He drags the help defense over, which he does a lot of times. Tennessee needs a guy to be able to get that rebound, clean it up, and finish. And uh, dude did it well. And what I liked the most about it, he kept that ball high. He got the rebound, mm-hmm. dropped back in. He didn't bring it down, and that's kind of a bad tendency, tendency of a lot of Tennessee's big men. So he did that well. He had a couple mid-range jump shots, uh, and it turned out to be really all those offensive production, but yeah. especially what you said, some of those putbacks I feel like were at really critical times. You know, going back to – let's go back to last week's games again real quick. After the Vanderbilt game, Rick Barnes spoke to the media, and he sounded like a coach that was upset. That was a coach who had just seen his team go through a defensive breakdown, losing a game to a rival on a buzzer-beater shot. He was upset. He was notably frustrated. Three critical mistakes in 13 seconds. There you go. You make two of them, you win. It was awful. Then you fast-forward to Missouri a little bit, and again, Tennessee loses the game on a buzzer-beater, but Rick Barnes was a lot more positive. He was a lot more... uh, I don't want to say he was jovial or anything like that because obviously it was lost, but you could tell that he was proud of his team. He was not down in the dumps, and it certainly did not sound like what the Vanderbilt postgame sounded like. Why was that? Well, because he, he saw the improvements that Tennessee had made in the second half. I, I think when you go back to that Missouri game and you really look at what Tennessee was able to do in that second half against the Tigers, yes, Tennessee ended up losing that game, but you saw them fight and claw and scratch their way back from a 17-point deficit. I feel like a lot of really what they did well in that second half was carried into this game against Alabama. That, to me, is when this Tennessee team is at its best. Yes, they're, they're, they're not a perfect team by any stretch of the imagination, and especially on the offensive team. But to me, when they are playing their best basketball, they're scrappy, they're physical, they're aggressive. They'd have confidence in their shooting, despite it going in the basket or not, Ryan. I think to your point, just a couple minutes ago at Tyreek Key, yeah, goes one for nine from the field, but he just kept shooting. I, I think that gives you some positivity. I, I really think that this team took that second half of Missouri, and that was one of the big factors that gave them the confidence to come into Knoxville yesterday, win that game against number one Alabama. Yeah, certainly. And it's, it's just a different vibe when you lose on a half court shot in a game sure. where you had a 17 point deficit in the second half and you came back and took the lead. Even yeah. it, it, it maybe makes it more heartbreaking, but there's a lot more positives to take from that. And there's it's easy to point to, hey, what we just did, the last 20 minutes we were on the court is what we need to do. And Tennessee carried that over. I think that helped uh, maybe to not be as much negativity, help them keep their confidence. And, and certainly, uh, like you said, Tennessee got back to what it, what it does yeah. best in that second half, and it, it carried over last night. Yeah, and you mentioned those mistakes Tennessee made in the final minute in each game, in both games last week. Well, I don't know if you guys felt this, but when Zakai went, split his free throws to go up 63-57, and, or, it, well, I should say, I should back up a little bit. Quinterly hit the three to make it a five-point game, and then Zakai split his free throws, and it was a six-point game Alabama ball. I was like, you know, 51 seconds left, I'm like, this is where it could go wrong for Tennessee. One of three, the last two possessions at the line. Yeah, yeah, this is where it has gone wrong the last two games. And then they get a turnover, and Santi makes both free throws. That's when I knew Tennessee was going to win. And I even go back to the Quinterly possession, and obviously they give up a three. But Tennessee made Alabama, who was clearly trying to shoot fast, 
hold the ball for 22, 23 seconds, and then Quinterly, who did not have a good game, shot a contested three. So, I mean, he yeah, makes yeah. it, but it wasn't any breakdown from Tennessee, and Alabama didn't get a quick shot. And uh, you're right. I think at that moment when Tennessee gets a turnover, Vescovy gets fouled, he felt like the game was all but over. But even the possession before, it, even though it didn't go well, it was a bad result for Tennessee. The process was good and, and better than it had been in the last two games. Yeah, and even kind of piggybacking off, piggybacking off that a little bit. I mean, you go back to the last two losses that Tennessee had, and there were times where Tennessee had about a four, a five, a six-point lead, but they were not able to maintain that throughout the second half. We saw Missouri come back. We saw Vanderbilt come back as well. There were multiple opportunities in this game yesterday where Tennessee did have that four, that five, that six-point lead right there, but they did not let Alabama climb back into the game. They did not let Alabama go back and take the lead during that second half. Even, you know, heck, they even took that to an eight-point lead at one point really late there in the game and obviously ended up with, what, about a nine-point win. So that, to me, was a really impressive aspect of the game, especially going back to when you see that that's what they did not do well the week before in those two losses. They had a lead, but they gave it up there in the last 10, 15 minutes of each game. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, just that that whole sequence, the miss front end, the Quinterly three, the Zakai only making one free throw, but then Tennessee's ability to win that game, as you were saying, Rick, this shows that Tennessee's making improvements, and they are – you know, still able to beat any team in the country on any given night. One place that I do want to, you know, note as something that does need to be improved, and it was improved at the very end of the game yesterday, but free throw shooting as a whole on the season right now, just 72.7%. I do, we we did see Santiago Vescovi hit four straight to close the game yesterday, but we also saw him miss one kind of in that, in that, uh, in that late, Last couple of minutes, we saw Zakai Ziegler, like you just mentioned, split the free throws right there. I don't think it's detrimental right now for the Tennessee team, but you only have four, three guys who are shooting above 80% free throws, and only one of those guys, Josiah Jordan-James, at 90.5, he's not even playing right now. So I do think that that's, I think that's been a little bit of a struggle for Tennessee. Would like to get see them get that up a little bit, just knowing how important that's going to be in, in late-game situations as you roll into some tournament situations. Yeah, and 72.7 is not even bad. I mean, that's above the national sure. average of 71.4. It's the missed front-ends that they seem to frequently miss. It's the free throws with your good free-throw shooters missing them late in games. Mm-hmm. And it's the 0-2 trips that they've gotten a lot from, right. from Tobey Awaka and, and yes. Euros Plosic. And Plosic was better last night, hit yeah. three, two, yeah. two or three, banked one in. And you know when the crowd cheers for a free-throw make, like – Place that, erupted when he when he when he completed <laughs> the end one. You need to know about Eurosh's free throw shooting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's it's not even that it's horrible. It's just it feels like they're having too many empty trips. Yeah. Between the missed one and ones and some of those big men going over two, and then obviously the critical the critical time missed free throws with your good free throw shooters just can't happen. Yeah. And again, not detrimental or anything, but we know that hey, late game situations are are going to start to come up more and more frequently as you know tournament time rolls around and we see these games get closer and closer. Uh, But just wanted to note that as well. All right, so coming up this Saturday, Tennessee travels north to Lexington to take on Kentucky. Ryan, what what aspects of yesterday's game do you want to see carry over, and what's going to be the most important things for Tennessee to really hone in on as you get down to the stretch of this regular season? I would say the rebounding is, and it's not, wasn't to me, it wasn't a huge storyline last night. It wasn't the most important thing, but Alabama's a good rebounding team. Tennessee didn't win the overall rebounding battle, but that's because they took so many. It's because they took fifteen more right. shots. Yeah, <laughs> and they won on the glass, yeah. and they only lost it by what four. So it wasn't bad. You go back to that game against Kentucky in, in TBA last month. There was a lot that went wrong for Tennessee. The most glaring was they got dominated, dominated on the glass in a way they really haven't. Yeah, to that point in the season and haven't since. So to me, that's going to be a huge thing. Uh, I, I look for how does Tennessee 
adjust to officiating defensively because I just expect one going on the road, two going at Kentucky, some of those grabbing off screens, those hand checks, that physical defense Tennessee plays on the perimeter, I imagine they'll get docked for a little bit more. And to me, that's specifically important if Josiah James and Julian Phillips don't go. I mean, we talked about it in our postgame last night. There was 50 minutes in the game last night. It was like, foul trouble's going to be a real problem for Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Mayshek had three going into halftime. Yeah, you, and you feel like the referees pl- let Tennessee play a little bit, yes. and they yes, still did. had a little bit of foul trouble. They do late, Mayshek, three and a half. Yeah, and and I mean, Ziegler had three early in the second half, and he didn't pick up another one, but it's like, oh my goodness, here we go again. Like, yeah. He can't get his fourth. Yeah. Uh, so... To me, with the lack of depth you have, or not even the lack of depth, but you're down to playing eight guys. You don't have, it's not even like playing eight guys is pretty normal, but it's not a, Tennessee usually has a luxury with their depth. They don't have that right now. Yes. And as physical as they play defensively, going into a road environment, I just think that's something they need to be aware of, and it could be a problem for them. And then I think the last thing I'll say is, like Jack, you said it about what Tennessee got last night against Alabama. They got some interior scoring from their big men. Can they get interior scoring from somebody against Kentucky? And I think most likely it would be. Uh, the big man, and, and I think they're going to need that to win. Maybe Olivier Kamwa's due. He's, it, it he's, not, he's certainly due. It comes around. I mean, it's been, what, four games now since the Texas game? So he may be due. Yeah, I mean, he, he is due. Whether he gets it to, to gets it in the go is, is the question. And, right. and even him, who shot pretty poorly last night, 3-12. Yeah. Impressive dunk in, in the first yes. half when Tennessee's Holy offense post. was struggling. Yeah, I mean, highlighted a game. And, dunk and of the he, year? What's that? Dunk of the year? For Tennessee? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say so. I don't yeah, think yeah. one was close. I think his dunk at Vanderbilt last week on the alley that was yeah, kind of similar without a man in that the middle was, nasty. was probably it before that. So, um, yeah, I, I would agree with that. And, and even though it wasn't a very good shooting night for him, it felt like he hit some shots around the rim at critical times. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree as well. So that is what's coming up next on the radar for Tennessee. We will have you covered. We will be there in Lexington for this game. Ryan and I will be as Jack is going to – he's heading west to Arizona to yeah. – to, uh, follow the baseball team so we'll be all over the place this weekend huh yeah we will be we'll uh we'll be uh, slightly north in, in kentucky and we'll be way way out west in arizona so uh, in the desert in the desert yep. yeah desert invitational so we'll have uh plenty of coverage on, on everything you need rti is on the move any other final thoughts on basketball right now just around the table nothing crazy i again i think it's not that this team was splintering not that this team was panicking it just feels like a weight is lifted off their back by getting that win, and to me that sets them up to, to play a little more free, going to Kentucky and going to Texas A&M, and two really critical road games. I mean, you look at it, three really challenging road games, three hardest road games in the regular season, or excuse me, in SEC play they have is what they have left on uh, the schedule, and, and I think Auburn's probably the hardest of those, so it, it would be big. Yeah. You need to get at least one in these next two. I think it, it would be certainly flips the script on the last couple of weeks if you can win both of them. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally agree. Uh, like we mentioned at the top of the podcast, much-needed win for Tennessee. And, um, you know, hopefully for them that they'll be able to continue this onto the road. Head over to RockyTopInsider.com right now to uh, find all of our Tennessee post-game content from yesterday. We posted a lot of pictures, videos, articles, quotes, everything and more that you can imagine coming out of the post-game yesterday from both Tennessee side and Alabama side over there at RockyTopInsider on Twitter and RockyTopInsider.com. All right, well, guys, I think that's going to wrap it up for us here today. Nice and short and sweet episode of the Press Pass, but hey, got right down to business. Talked about the win from yesterday. Talked about a, uh, a game coming up this weekend. A lot going on. Yeah, certainly. And uh, obviously we had the baseball podcast uh, that should be out sometime this afternoon as well. It's got a very unique name. It has a very unique name. I'm not aware of this. What? what? Oh, you got to break the news to him. 
It is currently the RTI Press Pass Special Edition. Wow. <laughs> okay. My creativity between Jack and I. Uh, so We're going to give a raise to our creative team on that one. That's really nice. Guys. Impressive well stuff. Done. Yeah. Well done. Well done. Yeah, certainly. And, and obviously, Name is in the works, though. That's yes. obviously. Yeah. Hey, they, obviously. we're in the lab trying yeah, to figure lab. it out. In the lab, that's that's a good place to be right there. In the in the dugout, you're getting ready. Yes. Uh, we got a lot coming up. That and it's a it's a fantastic episode. Yeah, I am just now it's taken me a minute to get there, but just now wrapping up y'all's y'all's full baseball preview from last week and it was fantastic as always. So, just like Ryan said, make sure you're going over and checking out the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass podcast, which you can find on any podcast platform that you are looking for. Otherwise, Make sure you're following along with Rocky Top Insider on all different social media platforms. Wherever you are, we will be as well. You can follow us at Rocky Top Insider on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram. We're always posting stuff to each one. We got the high and tight. We got game videos. We got game pictures. We got breaking news updates. We got everything you could want on the social media side of things right there on each one of those platforms. And make sure, of course, you're going and checking out RockyTopInsider.com each and every day. That is where all three of us are putting all of our work. We're doing our best to keep you updated with the latest Tennessee news, notes, and coverage on all things Tennessee athletics. But, guys, I think with that being said, we're about to wrap up. What do you say we get out of here? Let's do it. All right. Well, that is Ryan Shumpert. You can follow him at rshump00 on Twitter. That is Jack Foster. You can follow him at Jack Foster Media. Uh, Jack Foster Media on Twitter. And then, of course, you can follow myself as well. That is at Rick underscore Butler on Twitter. We will have you covered there. But, again, make sure you're just checking out RockyTopInsider.com each and every day. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Press Pass. We will see you back for the next one. We'll see you in, in Lexington. We'll see you in Arizona. we got a big weekend ahead. Thanks for listening. This has been the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass.